Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you for who you are, your faithfulness to us, and that you give us your word, you teach us, you walk with us through life, and we ask you to do that even now as we look to you, learn from you, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. There's a new reality game show playing in our society. We've got our grandchildren's uh, dress-up costumes there. It's a reality game show called King on the Mountain. You can watch it on network TV. You can watch it on social media. You can see it in politics. You can see it in finances. It's in medicine. It's all around us. It's surrounding us everywhere this game show called King of the Mountain. It's kind of like the children's game that you play in the winter, King of the Mountain. Sorry for the kid in the red pants. He's going to have a tough landing there. And, and that's just the reality. The game is that you try to make it to the top and push everybody else off. And you can see that. That's happening all around us. It's uh, becomes a bit sobering as we look at the finances and we see the people that are in charge people trying to push off the people that are in charge of the money or in politics you have a sphere of influence as long as you have 51% of the majority you can say and do whatever you want in medicine there's influence there's money there's uh, there's experts in every direction to have give an opinion on how things are to be done. Or social media, if you don't like what they, or how they view things, then they'll just kick you off. So we have all of these various kings and all of these various kingdoms, people that are running our world in this kind of way. It's a real game. It's not, there's not actors. And we're getting hurt in the midst of it. And then we come to church on Sunday morning, and we hear about another king, a king of kings, and we try to understand how does this king of kings relate to our daily life, and this kingdom that he rules over, how do, it seems distant, seems far away from what we experience, and yet we know in our minds at least, that there is another king. We look to God as our king. He's visible here on this earth, but sometimes it gets clouded. Sometimes we know that there's a, this, this thing that's out there, invisible, but how do we see it in our daily lives? And what is to come? We are uncertain about all of that in the future. Well, we're going to be looking at Matthew 13 today. Matthew 13 has seven parables talking about the kingdom of God. And in this parable, Jesus tells us exactly what it means. That's kind of nice, helpful. And yet, the challenge for us is to put that into practice. To live that out is a challenge. So let's look at uh, Matthew 13. I'm going to read that whole section there, starting at verse 24. So he put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. 
while the men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat, and he went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds also appeared, and the servants of the master said, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Do you want us to go and gather them? No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let them grow together until the harvest. And at the harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. Let the get, but gather the wheat into my barn. Then jumping to verse 36, he left the crowds and went into the house and his disciples came to him saying, explain to us this parable of the weeds and the wheat field. So he answered them. Jesus answered them. The one who sowed the, sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed is the sons of the kingdom and the weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Then just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their father's kingdom, kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. So this parable talks about three realities of this kingdom. It's a kingdom that's around us. He talks about the world. It's a kingdom that is beyond us. It's, he's referring to angels and demons and things we can't see, and he, it's talking about a kingdom that's coming that we're yet waiting for. And so the, the question that has to be answered as we look at this parable, the beginning question and the ending question has to be, is Jesus king of your life? Because wherever God is king, or wherever the kingdom of God is, that's where God is king. So verse 24 starts out fairly simple. It's the kingdom of heaven is compared to a man who sows good seed. And verse 38, he describes that. The world is the field and the good seed, the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. So we see this kingdom is around us. In this, weed, in this story, we have the... the the tares and the wheat. And the, the two of them look very similar as they're growing. And it's not until they mature that you can tell the difference between this, the two. And the, the tares actually have a poisonous seed. And so maybe you look around you and all you see is weeds. There's weeds all over the place. And maybe like the angels here in the story that you would recommend to the master, 
let's get rid of those weeds. Let's pull them up. Let's burn them and separate them. Just get rid of those weeds. Well, it's probably good that you're not king. There's weeds in the world, and the sower says, leave the weeds. Maybe you don't like that. Sorry, it's not your field. Well, if we can't get rid of the weeds, then let's just separate ourselves from the weeds. The weeds are over here, and the wheat is over here, the, the sons of the kingdom, sons of the evil one. Get as far away. I heard somebody refer to this phrase that's become popularized, I just want to remove the toxic people from my life. <laughs> Sorry, the weeds are among you. Well, okay, then let's, I can identify the character of the, the weeds. They are evil, manipulative, they're angry, they lie. We can list the whole list of character qualities about the weeds, and so we're just going to Watch out for them. And we can see the influence of the evil one around us. And then there's verse 41. And what do you do with that? It says, The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers. All causes of sin. Well, we know there's an evil one. We know there's evil influences around us. But can you not also see the causes of sin in your own heart? The desires that wage within you causing you to sin? What about the lawbreaker? How are you at uh, keeping the law of God? You go down the Ten Commandments and you go, oh, oops, oops, I broke that one, broke that one too. Well, how about the laws of men at least? Is that a little bit easier? Maybe not. How about your New Year's resolution, trying to help you with this? No, that's just the end of January already. The reality is, is that we are lawbreakers. You are a lawbreaker. And this warning from God's word is for every single one. We cause our own sin. We break his laws. And this game of king on the mountain is so brutal because we are the ones that are playing that game. We chase after all of the kings of this world rather than following the king of kings. And maybe it's, you know, we justify in our mind, I, I don't really see, I don't understand, where is this king of kings? It seems distant from us. And yet, that kingdom is just beyond what we normally can see. Verse 39 describes it. It says, the enemy who sowed them is the devil... The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. We don't think much about this spiritual realm. We don't, we don't talk about that. 
And yet it is there. It's just beyond what we can see. It talks about the demons that serve the devil. We've got the angels that serve God. There's a devil and there's a king. There's only one king. They're not equal and opposites. The master has the final say as to what happens in the field. And so even though this kingdom is a bit invisible, it's still possible to recognize it. And Nicodemus was wrestling with the same thing, and so Jesus tried to make it very obvious to him. He said, well, it's like the wind. You can see where you can, uh, the wind blows where it wishes. You can hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes to. And so is it with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Well, maybe we would like to see uh, that evidence in a person's life. What does it look like? What is, it means that a person has a desire to seek God. They, they want to learn from his word. They want to worship. They want to pray. They want to follow his call for their lives and, and to love people unconditionally. That's a picture of God's work in somebody's life. That's a picture of this spiritual realm happening. It's not a part of our nature to be doing those things, but when God is at work, it does happen. And then there's some of these examples in scriptures that are more dramatic, like Isaiah. He comes to worship, like you. And then in the year the king Uzziah died, he saw the Lord lifted high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And he said, woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And then there's John in Revelation. You know, how does one man see a revelation like is described in that book and try and put it into human words? That's a challenge. And so John starts out in chapter 1, he says, I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Here's John the disciple trying to describe Jesus, the one that he walked with for three years, but in his heavenly glory. And Jesus says to him, don't be afraid. I'm here. So whether it was Isaiah or whether it was John or whether it was any of the other hosts of people in the scriptures, when they saw the spiritual realm, they were transformed. They were changed. Priorities, values, everything 
stuff of this world doesn't matter because we see the reality of something bigger and better. Maybe Jesus gives us these parables here in Matthew 13 just to give us a glimpse of this kingdom that is beyond what we can normally see. It's, it's a powerful, brilliant, indescribable place. And maybe it's causing us, it's the desire, the purpose is to cause us to look forward to what is coming. I have a wedding in a couple of weeks, and I was getting an email from the bride of this wedding. Uh, they're from a different church. Um, and she was <laughs> reminding me of how many days it was left. Well, I have it on my calendar. I'm not going to forget. But it was evident that she was excited for this day to be coming. And so it is. There is an excitement and an anticipation of this kingdom that is coming. And there is also a warning. And this text highlights the warning of that. In verse 40 it says, Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the end of the age... The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace, where in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. We don't talk about hell very much, we don't like to talk about judgment. And yet, the reality is, is that this kingdom is coming. We need to be ready. We need to be aware of what God's word tells us about it. We don't like to scare people. But the reality is, is that for causes of sin and lawbreakers, there's a need to be afraid. There's a need to be warned. So maybe another part of this challenge is, is that we get afraid and scared of the wrong things. We get worried and concerned about things on this earth that have no control over anything that we will face in eternity. The most loving thing we can do for people is to warn them of what is coming so that they're not caught by surprise and that they have an opportunity to join in in a relationship with their Heavenly Father. There's a judgment that's coming. And the, the worst part of that judgment is the separation from God. Fire is, is nothing apart from being separated from God. And Jesus came so that we would not be separated, that we would have a relationship with him. You know, we can see people that already are separating themselves from God. It's kind of obvious in our society. It reflects in their character. What the, the inner side, especially when trials come, then the inner character starts to show. And then maybe somebody was going to say, but pastor... 
If God is a loving God, why would he send somebody to hell? I had to struggle with that question myself, and I found a lot of comfort in the verse in Matthew 25, verse 41, where it says that then he, Jesus, will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. It wasn't meant for you. He doesn't have any desire for you to be separated from him. He came to earth to make it possible to reconnect, to bridge the gap between us and God. This year, we've uh, faced an illness, a virus, that has pushed everybody off of their mountains. And now we're in this mode where everybody is scrambling to get back on top. It's a poignant reminder of the games that we play. It's a poignant reminder of the coming kingdom. We look to this vaccine to be our savior. It's not a savior. It's maybe... Maybe this experimental vaccine can protect us from one illness. Maybe it can prolong your life on this earth. But it can't help you for what comes after. Early this morning, we received news that Ron Dahl had passed away. He hadn't even gone out in the prayer chain yet when the first service took place and and uh, so, Ron, I've enjoyed working with him on the visitation committee. He's out there visiting the shut-ins, uh, 10, 15 a month, bringing communion, sharing God's word, praying with them. Well, Ron doesn't have to fight that earthly battle any longer. He gets to be where he has been waiting for. Uh, we continue to uh, pray for Gail and Kristen and Gabe and, and, uh, and his son Tim and their emptiness that they're going to have. There's another person that went through COVID this year. Uh, actually, Cal Swenson and Dawn, they both went through COVID right after Thanksgiving. Cal's 94 years old. And so he has told me this story a couple of times. He was in the hospital for a while, and then he went to Martin Luther Manor for a while. And everybody that he would come across, he would ask him this question. So if you were going to die tonight, do you know where you would be going? So for a 94-year-old man with COVID, he's got some reason to ask that question. He's got some uh, validity in what he's asking. He was surprised to find out how many people didn't have an answer for him. They didn't know. And then he would tell them about the kingdom of God. And he would try and help them say yes to Jesus. So the question that you have to wrestle with today, really the only, only question that you have to answer is, 
Is Jesus the king of your life? See, he came to live among the weeds. All of us weeds. He came down to transform us, to give us a picture, a glimpse of the spiritual realm that is beyond us. And then he promised that he was going to come again to take you to be with him. Everybody that desires that relationship, he's willing and wanting to welcome you. So we need to have that question and we need to have that prayer right now as we close and ask yourself, I invite you to bow your heads and, and, and pray, ask the Lord. And if you are saying today, I want Jesus to be the king of my life, can you raise your hand? And praise God. And if you're, for the first time, you want to pray this prayer, join me in prayer. Uh, Jesus, I want you to be the king of my life. I want to be transformed. I want to be looking forward to you and for your kingdom. I want to be ready. Forgive me, Lord Jesus, for chasing after empty things in this world. And Lord, I pray you would forgive me for my sin, for being a lawbreaker. Thank you for the hope that you give us in, in the cross. Be the king of my life. Amen.